Hey, welcome to LifeBridge Online. We are glad that you are tuning in and allowing us to minister to you once again. Whether you're sitting at home and you've got this on a podcast while you do some chores or you're listening to this on the way to work or whether you're actually watching this, man, we are grateful that you are tuned in and you are allowing us the opportunity to minister to you. And I just want to let you know that we have we have people at church in our uh, community that are praying for our online community. We're praying that as you go through life and, and whatever is taking place in your life, that the Word of God meets you where you are. And we believe in the authority found in Scripture. We believe that God's Word, whether you're doing household chores, maybe you're working out in the garden right now, or maybe you're commuting to work, it doesn't matter, that we believe in the power and the authority found in Scripture and they can speak to you. And we have people praying for you right now. If you have uh, tuned in the past few weeks, you know that we have been spending some time reiterating the, the first recorded teaching of Jesus. It's the one on the mountainside, and it's known classically as the Sermon on the Mount. The, the flow or the structure of this sermon is something that has been dissected many times by, by scholars it's something that uh, is used as reference points in preaching classes. In our Core 52 journey that we are on as a church, we are looking at 52 of the most important teachings from the Bible. This is our fourth within the Sermon on the Mount. And so it's also our last. So what I want to do today is I want to do what some of these scholars do. I, I, I want to look at the talking points, if you will, that Jesus shares with his audience as he wraps up this sermon. There's 111 verses, uh, depending on the translation that you're, you're reading. And I want us to kind of look at the structure and the flow of the last chapter, Matthew chapter 7. So if you have your Bible, hopefully you do, or a Bible app, Turn with me, if, you're, if you can, turn with me to Matthew 7, and let's look at the flow, the talking points of what Jesus is saying here. Matthew chapter 7 begins with the heading, Do not judge others, or not judging other people. And verse 2 is important for the rest of the chapter. And it's this, how you treat others is how you will be treated. Now, we're not going to expound on any of these. We just want to pay attention to the flow, okay? So how you treat others is how you will be treated. And, of course, this is in reference to judgment and how we judge other people. The next lesson, then, is on prayer. This is the second teaching that uh, Jesus has on prayer, and this one's a little bit different. Uh, the first lesson is on how to pray this one is what scholars have labeled effective prayer. Uh, the focus on this lesson is praying with persistence, and there's something to that. Uh, he uses the analogy of keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. When you do these things, God's going to hear you. He's going he's to answer your prayers. So when you have persistence in your prayer life, God is going to give you what you need. Now, we need to remember, when it comes to prayer, when it comes to asking and seeking and knocking, what is it that we are asking for? What is it that we're seeking? 
you know, these things within the will of God or are they fleshly, earthly desires? Because God is only going to answer the prayers that are in alignment with his will. The next teaching is on the golden rule. Again, treating others as we want to be treated. We're going to come back to this. We're going to, this is our teaching today comes from the golden rule. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to pay attention with me, if you will, the topics that follow the golden rule. And, and I encourage that you even take a moment, if you will, and you can pause this, and you can just read the rest of these topics that follow the golden rule. First one is this, the narrow gate. To summarize, Jesus comes out and he says that you can only enter the kingdom of God through a narrow gate. And only a few will ever find it. Hmm. The next teaching is on bearing fruit. Jesus says that his followers, his disciples, will bear good fruit. Not just fruit, because we're all going to bear fruit on some capacity. But we will bear good fruit. And Jesus is the only one that gets to define good. He says that you can identify people by their actions. And that's so important as you process out the, the talking points here. You can identify people by their actions. In the next teaching, Jesus moves from bearing good fruit to being a true disciple. Uh, obviously, there are some false disciples. We know that the Bible references false prophets, but there are false disciples. And Jesus specifies what this is within the few verses of this teaching. He warns, and it's the most direct of Jesus' teachings, I do believe, only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. And, and I want you to pick up on the reoccurring theme as we go through these. Uh, there, there is one. Then Jesus concludes his sermon with explaining that wisdom is hearing his teachings and doing. You catching this? what he says to do. And here's the thing, church. Jesus makes some strong claims here, I mean, especially if you're the casual Christian, especially if you're just kind of the participant Christian that likes to come to church every so, every once and again, whenever it fits into your schedule. Uh, maybe you're two times a month, or maybe you're one and a half times a month. Maybe you're three times. I don't know, whatever it is. The participating casual Christian, Jesus says, some very strong things here. His emphasis on the la in the last part of this sermon is all about doing the will of the Father. Emphasis again on doing. Now you cannot be a casual Christian. You cannot be a mild participant and actually do the will of the Father. So Jesus summarizes for us what the doing or the, the action that is required to be his follower, to be part of the kingdom, he says, he summarizes that in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, the golden rule. Let's read that together. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law in, in the prophets. It's interesting that Jesus adds this. He says that all 613 laws from the Old Testament to his audience who's very familiar with all 613 
laws. Because these 613 laws, they're, they're like this, this burdensome task that they have to try to check, check off every single day. Am I fulfilling the law? Am I fulfilling the law? Am I fulfilling the law? And it, with 613, it's complicated. And Jesus says that the essence of all of these laws is found within these 12 words. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This simple teaching, however, demands action. We are to do to others. Now, most people, whether you've grown up in church or not, we've heard of the golden rule. Maybe it was something your grandma taught you. Maybe it was your parents or, you know, maybe it was a teacher or something. Somewhere along the way, um, the golden rule has been part of your life. I've, I've seen it in many schools just the, the golden rule, treat others as you want to be treated. But what about the silver rule? The silver rule is the one that you and I, we've embraced. The silver rule is the one that we live out more effectively. And, and we think by accomplishing the silver rule, even though we're not even 100% sure yet what that silver rule is, we do it. We, we live out the silver rule better than we do the golden rule. The silver rule is this. Do not do to others what you would not wish done to yourself. This rule is so much simpler. Do not do to others. I mean, like right now, I am fulfilling the silver rule. By sitting here, not gossiping about someone, you have fulfilled the silver rule. You have not done to someone what they don't want done to them. That's the silver rule. But of course, Jesus, and we've already seen it within the workings of this sermon, he takes old teachings and he takes them next level. He changes them around just enough to make them his own. Mark Moore says this, uh, sitting quietly, you're perfectly practicing the demands of the silver rule. You're doing nothing to others that they would consider disgraceful. At the same time, you're doing nothing that would satisfy the demands of the golden rule. The golden rule, he says, demands relentless action. The command, church, is that we are to do to others. We are to do to others. And, and that is the theme found within Matthew chapter 7 that repeats itself. Doing the will of the Father. Treating others how we desire to be treated. It's all about action. Because becoming like Jesus is not about some passive obedience. It's not about participation in church. Becoming like Jesus requires relentless action. So what is the action desired by Jesus in this teaching? When he says, hey, do to others what I would like done to me. What, what action is required here? Well, you can answer this two ways depending on the situation. Okay, uh, generally speaking, this is the first way. Generally speaking, we should be willing to treat all people with kindness and respect. 
Like, like that's the first situation, all people. It's, it's a broad scope. No one in their right mind wants to be mistreated. No one. No one wants to be mistreated. So as our paths cross with people, and this happens throughout every single day, we should treat them with kindness and respect. Strangers that you may interact with throughout the day, today, moments in life. Treat them with kindness and respect. The coworkers that you mingle with, whether you get along with them, whether they get on your nerves or whether you get on their nerves, treat them with kindness and respect. The neighbors that, that you may see every so often at the at the cul-de-sac party or at the Halloween gathering or, or the Christmas celebrations, whatever the case may be, whenever you see your neighbors, treat them with kindness and respect. Here's a personal one. Your child's little league coach. And you know, you know, because you've been there, you know that they don't know a thing about the sport that they are coaching. And you're wondering often how in the world they even became a coach. Treat them with kindness and respect. We are to learn to treat these people with kindness and respect. This is the action. And no matter how we are being treated, no matter what's going on, or no matter how they've treated us in our past, maybe we're holding a grudge towards some of these people. Maybe we, we loathe Saturdays because we don't want to even be around our child's little league coach because they're not giving your child the attention they need Jesus says that we are to be kind and respectful in the moments of interaction. We're to do to others what we want done to us. Then you have the second group of people. People that we have a more intimate relationship with. People that we know well. And we can treat these people with kindness and respect too, but we can also be a little more specific with our, with our actions toward them. We know them. There, there, there's a personal relationship there. Take spouses, for example. If you've been married more than five minutes, you, may, you, you know your spouse on, on a more intimate level. You know your spouse. May you know what moves your spouse. You know what your spouse values. Man, you can find out what their love language is and you can act on that and you can do that. You should do this often. What about the, your children in your home? Do to others as you would have them do to you. Man, the parent-child relationship can be challenging when we're trying to live this out because in our kids' minds, they're like, they're wanting to do things and as parents, we've got to be, we've got to be the boundaries. We've got to be the guardrails. We've got to be the disciplinarians. You know, remember, it's due to others as you want done to you. And so sometimes this action that is Jesus is calling for, it's not always about giving into their whims. It's not always about giving their every single desire. People want to be challenged. People want boundaries. People want to be held accountable. But they still want to be treated with kindness and respect. So as a parent... You know, we make the decisions that need to be made as parents. And how do we do this? How we go about 
making these decisions and how we go about communicating them to our children is super important. And that is how we do it. You know, it's not always about giving in. It's not always about giving them the desires of their heart. Because you and I know, and we talked about this last week, the heart and our desires, God says, it's the most deceitful thing ever. What about your close friends and your close coworkers? And people who are in this next circle of our lives, people who are outside of our homes, but they're still a part of our lives. And, you know, here's the thing I was thinking about my friends and uh, the people in my life. Man, I know what my friends and their coworkers value. Like, I know that. I, our worship minister here uh, at church, his name is Caleb. And, you know, Caleb is more than generous with with sharing his things. And for a long period of time, uh, because he lived in an apartment, like he kept a lot of his tools his personal tools here at the church. And, and sometimes just being at the church, there would be something that would come up and you know, I would ask Caleb, hey, can I borrow this? And do you mind if I, I use this? And the, the answer was always yes. As a matter of fact, I, I really believe that I don't, even, I don't even have to ask Caleb to borrow stuff. Like it, it's a green light. Yes, you can do it. Caleb's just that kind of guy. But here's what I've learned about Caleb, what he values. What's important to him is that when you borrow something, you, you put it back. You put it back exactly where you found it. That, that's how Caleb's mind works. He's a, he's a little OCD, if you will, when it comes to this. He has no problem with you borrowing his stuff, but what, what he values is the fact that you put it back. And so do to others what you would have them do to you. So what Jesus is saying here, as he summarizes all 613 laws of the Old Testament, is that we should be making the effort to treat others as we desire to be treated. So you've got to make the effort. You have to do to others. And every time your path crosses with someone, it's an opportunity for you to do to someone else. But here's the secret. Here's the secret about the golden rule that I believe most people miss. Now, I, I was talking about this with some of my, my uh, co-pastors, and there's a couple of us that are working on this Core 52 thing together, and we're preaching through this with our church, respective congregations together. And as I brought this up, it was like, you know, that, that's an interesting point that we don't think we hear enough of. Here's the secret to the golden rule that I believe churches miss. Yes, Jesus is concerned with how our actions might impact the lives of the recipients of our actions. You know, our, our actions are what gonna are, is what's going to draw people to Jesus, and Jesus is concerned with that. But I believe the golden rule is not about the recipient of the action. The golden rule is about the person doing the action. What does it take for you, what does it take for Michael to become the kind of person who can be kind and respectful to strangers at every opportunity? What does it take for husbands to be aware of what moves your wife, what her love language is, and then acting on that, not wanting to get anything in return? What does it take for you to be patient with your child's little league coach 
What does it take? Or better yet, what does it take for you to be an encouragement to them? The golden rule, church, is, is not about this list of actions that I must begrudgingly participate in to satisfy the commands of Jesus. No, the golden rule is about me being transformed into the person who wants to treat others as I desire to be treated. The discipleship process that Jesus has called these men into, that he released these men at the end of his ministry to go into the world, the discipleship process is about being transformed into Christ-likeness. And here's the thing. God doesn't sit up in heaven once you have accepted him as your Savior. He doesn't sit up there and sprinkle fairy dust on you to make the transformation possible. No, God knows and Jesus knows that we are transformed by our actions. That's, that's what the golden rule is about. The golden rule is about you and I, and we're going to talk about this next week as we talk about the cross, denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and following him. What does that look like? Well, it's about treating others the way we want to be treated. And it's not just the select few that I get to choose. It's about treating everyone, stranger, the most intimate partner that we have, the way we desire to be treated. Jesus knows that the people that he is uh, called to follow him, he knows that the transformation takes place through our actions and how we treat other people. So, as we wrap this up today, what do you need to surrender in your life? What needs to take place in your life so that you can treat other people the way you want to be treated? Until next week. We'll see you.